welcome to In the Saddle podcast. Tonight, I'll be talking through the weekend's racing at Haydock and Musselburgh with Chris Loder and Paul Callahan. And then later on in the show, we'll be joined by Robbie Power to discuss the Irish National and his other rides on Monday. So, Chris, how are you? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. Looking forward to the Easter weekend. We're at that time of the year now where we're wrapping up the National Hunt season and we've got the start of the flat coming back on the turf and I love this time of year where uh, we get to see all the two-year-olds coming out you know and looking at those young hopeful superstars or trying to find the next one anyway um, and also as well uh, seeing who really is the champion of champions in the national hunt games so yeah um, th- this weekend got some great racing on both codes and looking forward to uh, getting stuck into it. Well Callahan, I will think it's for you. Lying. I'm uh, really looking forward to, to I know it's, it's always the thing, you know, geez, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, but as you can see, I dressed up for this at the occasion. I've got my media jersey on. We've got the, the Boy Sports Irish Grand National to look forward to on Monday as, as a proud mead man. It's always a, a meeting that we went to when I was growing up. It used to be on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday was family day. And um, as I think before I started school, I'd been to Fairy House. So um, it's obviously a race that's close to my heart as well as, as Robbie Power. I was never fortunate enough to ride in the race, let alone win it, but Robbie Power certainly rode in it and he's definitely, he's won it back in 2017 and we'll have our fingers crossed for Robbie on Monday. And of course, that leads us on then into Entry, which is another another of my favourite festivals. I absolutely love Entry. Very fortunate to, to finish fifth over the Grand National Fences back in 2007. So it's a place that I loved before, but having ridden around there, it's it's something else. I remember I slept surprisingly well the night before, but I didn't sleep for the next three nights after the race and was still buzzing. And I think if you hit me, I wouldn't have felt it because I just, the horse was amazing. And a uh, horse called Gadam was, was fifth at 100 to one, I'll never forget. I was still in third passing the water jump and I think it was Nina Carberry and I'm not sure who Nina Carberry and Richie McLaren Arctic Times and I forget what Nina Richie was on Arctic Times for Eugene O'Sullivan I forget what Nina was on but Scott Gray won it and Richie Harding under Richard Burton Richie Harding was second and then I think Nina was third Richie McLaren was fourth I was fifth it was only like a length separated or length and a half separated the three of us but it was the best it was the, the best speed, it was the best ride I can say I've ever had that horse was electric. So yeah, I can't wait now for Barry House and Entry. What a spectacular memory to have. So let's get stuck into Saturday then, guys. So we'll quick fire through these. We've got Haydock, the 205 Betway Challenger two mile series handicap final. Chris Loder, hit me. Yeah, I think um the skeletons might take this one with Vision Dupuy. Um she's a mare. Uh, she got a mark of 127, and she finally put it all together last time out to win uh, one of the qualifying races for this at Stratford. That came a couple of weeks ago, and like I said, it just seemed to all click for her that day. She's definitely shown ability at times during her career, but I think she's had a few excuses. But I think the key to her is that it is the better ground, and this dry spell we've been having for the last couple of weeks now, I think will really suit her. I believe as well they could be actually watering the course at Haydock. So um, 
that that's interesting there but yeah i imagine the ground will be on the good side anyway so i think it should be right up her street she was raised five pounds for that win at stratford but i still think of a mark of one two seven that's definitely within her radar she won on her british debut at perth on good ground and also as well probably her standout best piece of form was a was a third place finish in a mare's hurdle a listed race at Weatherby a couple of years ago where she wasn't disgraced behind Lady Buttons and Indefatigable. If she was running up to that uh, level of form, the, obviously those two mares that I just mentioned there, obviously quality um, horses, you think on the mark of 127, she's got a bit more to come. And um, yeah, I think uh, she, she'll take all the beating in this race and hopefully give Harry Skelton another winner in the Jockeys' Championship. So yeah, for me, Vision Dupuis, I think she's favourite. But I, like I said, I think she's favourite for a reason and she ticks all the boxes for me. Well, Callahan, give us a differing opinion. I'm going to take Chris's selection on with Dino Velvet, Valen King and Adrian Eskin. And Dino Velvet was fourth on his last run at the beginning of March, and that was at Newbury. He has shown his, his liking for sharp tracks with victories at Stratford and Margaret Raisin. He runs here off a handicap mark of 125. His last winning mark is 129, and he has ran off 135 and indeed finished second off 134. And I think on his best form, Dino Velvet ought to be there or thereabouts. I'd love for that to happen as, you know, he's part-owned by the McNeils, so close to my heart. So we'll wrap up that one nice and quick. So we've got Vision Depoy for Chris Loder, who's currently the two-to-one favourite for the race. And then we've got Dino Velvet for Paul Callahan, who is currently best price available at five-to-one. So moving swiftly on, another race at Haydock, the 240 Betware Challenger staying chase series final. Paul Callahan, start us off for this one. I'm going to take a chance on the Christian Williams train. The future is bright. The amount of Jack Tudor, he claims a very valuable three of 10 stone. Future is bright. He won a class three contest at Bakenham, which incidentally was a qualifier for this race. That was back on the 19th of March. He's still relatively unexposed. Like This is just his fifth run over fences and only his 14th career start in total. And I think the future is bright. He's interesting carrying just a better weight. And I think... Do you know that the fences around here take a little bit of jumping, but I think he should be well up to the to the job. He wears the cheek pieces, and I think that, you know, he's likely to race since this is only a second run since the, the middle of November. And I think off that featherweight, I expect the future's bright to play a part in this. Yeah, and he's currently priced well enough to have a good each way angle for the race as well. Chris Loder. Yeah, I thought this was uh quite a competitive race actually. Quite like both the, the Christian Williams's uh horses in this. I think they both got uh good chances on paper at least anyway, off both of them have got fairly low racing weights. But I've just come on the side of Silver Eclipse for Ryan Mania and Sue Smith. Sue Smith's stable haven't been in good form at all this season, but in the last couple of months or so they have been finding a few winners. In fact, actually they're operating at a twenty five cent strike rate at the moment, so the yard has come into a little bit of form. And this horse, Silver Eclipse, tends to save his uh, best efforts for um, for Haydock. He's won, of course, here a couple of times over hurdles. He's quite lightly raced 
over fences. He's only had two starts, but it all came together last time for him to win at Sedgefield. And he beat a horse of Nick Kent's, who's definitely been an up-and-coming trainer this season, um, had quite a few winners. And who's in the box have been a pretty informed horse for um, for Nick Kent. He actually hadn't finished outside of the first two on his uh, last five runs. So to beat him, I think, wasn't a bad effort at all. If you go on his hurdles form, a rating of 129, I think, is in his compass. And he can uh, run to that level and might be able to ex exceed it as a chaser. He's a double-figure price with some firms I've seen. Um, still only eight years old. Still got a bit more to come, I think, over fences. And I think a re um, if he replicates his Sedgefield runner, I think he could go uh, well at a bit of a price. Lovely stuff. So for the 240, we've got Chris siding with Silver Eclipse, who is at 10 to 1 in places. And Paul with the future is bright for Christian Williams at 11 to 1. So the next race we'll cover at Haydock will be the 315 Betway Challenger Staying at Hurdles Series Final. Chris, far away. Yeah, I thought uh, the favourite here, Small Present, uh, could be the one to beat. Again, Ryan Mania riding for Sue Smith. Like I said, Sue Smith's stable have only re recently been finding a little bit of form. And this horse has been uh, one of those horses that's been uh, in the winner's enclosure on his last two starts. He's uh, now up to a mark of 129, but I think he's got a lot of untapped potential there. He actually just managed to get the better of Scandyberg for Jamie Snowden last time out. Now, Scandyberg did have to give away quite a bit of weight to, to Small Present, and he did run in snatches a lot that day, but did finish strongly to uh, to try and challenge Small Present for the win. But Scandyberg, we know on his day, is a really classy three-mile hurdler, and the pair were miles clear of Get A Reason uh, for Becky Menzies. They were 23 lengths clear of them. So I still think that was a really good run. Uh, a lot of his best form has come uh, on decent ground, which again will be a massive tick in the box. He's only a six-year-old. He's by presenting, which should suggest that he should favour this this better ground. Um, I think he's got a lot more to come. And uh, Sue Smith's team also as well always tend to do fairly well with their runs at Haydock. I just thought he ticked a lot in the boxes for the race. And um, I thought he would go very close. So not original, but I thought small present. Uh, had everything in his favour and I'm expecting a big run. Hoping for a Sue Smith double on the day, Chris. Yes, indeed. Hopefully uh, they can do the business. Paul, what do you think? I'm going to say with Ashton Ladd for Dan and Harry Skelton. He carries top weight of 11 stone 12. It's his first start since having a wind operation. He will need the career best to win off his current handicap mark of 135. Ashton Ladd was pulled up three out in a grade two company at Doncaster on his last run. That was at the end of January. Prior to that, he was a beaten favourite. That was also in grade two company. That was at Cheltenham back in December. He won his last novice hurdle. That was at Weatherby in October. And that followed up an impressive victory in a qualifier for this race. That was at Utoxer back in November. But, you know, when you look through his form, he had five quick runs in succession. So I think, I think the break would have done him some good. And I'm also going to factor in the, the win procedure that was that was carried out. I think when we take all things considered, I think we can see a return to form for Ashton Lad. 
Lovely. So Ashtown Lad is quite a nice price at the moment at seven to one. And small present for Chris is currently at four to one in most places. So moving on to the racing at Musselburgh. So the three o'clock Betway Scottish Sprint Club handicap. Let's start with Paul. Yeah, we're over the minimum here. And statistically, the the high numbers would generally have, which are along the standside rail, they would generally have an advantage on the, the five hurling course at Musselburgh. I'm going to give it a tentative selection here to the, the Eric Alston Eric Alston trains Jabberaki, the mount of Jason Hart. He'll definitely go forward from stall 10. He'll not be in front of Caspian Prince. I don't think any horse will be in front of Caspian Prince who is drawn in stall six. He's not getting any younger. Like he's been a, an unbelievable horse. We talk about Tiger Roll for the, the Irish, the Boyle Sports Irish Grand National. Caspian Prince has been a horse of a lifetime, I think, for connections. He's won all over the world. He's won in Ireland at Dundalk. I think he's also won at Takura. Um, he's won out in Dubai as well. But I just think at 12 and the ground as well, currently good to soft at the time of recording. It's not going to be that soft. Muscle of course, by the sea. It generally doesn't get a soft there, even on the national home course. But I think I think Caspian Prince could be just a, a little bit vulnerable to some of his younger counterparts. Just another bottle was one that I looked at and didn't pass over lightly, drawn in stall 11. But he can be quite tricky leaving the gates. He's, he's reared leaving the stalls in his last couple of starts. He did win two starts ago, but you know, you're over the five furlongs, you blink and you miss it. I think, you know, if he's that half a second, if he misses the beat out of the gates, it could be his race gone completely. A drawn in 11 could give away any advantage he has off that that high draw. So it's Jabberaki for me, rate 93. It's the lowest mark he's raced off since August 2019. He's won off 94 and has been placed off the mark of 98. He ran well in defeat on his, on his final start. That was on soft ground at Haydock last season. I think the handicapper has given him a chance and I think he'll appreciate the better ground. So it's Jabberaki for me. Lovely. Chris, Loda, fire away with your selection. Yeah, um, Paul hit the nail on the head here. You want to be drawn uh, at least on the high side. Um, it always seems to favour uh, those that are drawn high. And that's where I've kind of gone looking. I've kind of narrowed it down to two here. I can't really give one as my main selection. I quite like the chances of both. And also as well, a bit of prices. The it, probably the the one I'm most interested in is Son and Sani for Luke Morris and Paul Midgley. Paul Midgley does really well with his sprinters, and this horse is actually um, is a, a fairly new acquisition uh, to the yard. He was previously trained in Ireland by a trainer I haven't heard too much of called Richard Brabazon. Uh, but since he's come over uh, this side of the RFC, he's definitely put in a, a few good runs uh, for Paul Midgley. And like I said, he does really well with his sprinters. He actually won this race back in 2017, I think it was, with, um, with Line of Reason. He's got a, a rating now of 82, and he's only a five-year-old. And I think if Paul Midgley, as a because he's acquired him, he he he's seen him to maybe go for a few of these big sprint handicaps, and I think with a good draw in stall thirteen and on the right side of the track, I think he's got a great chance of 
going well. And if, if he doesn't win on the day, he could be one to keep on side for later on this season. The other one I quite liked was uh, another old favourite, Copper Knight, for Ellen McCain and Tim Easterby. That's Donald McCain's daughter, who I believe made the switch to Tim Easterby's yard last year to become a stable apprentice uh this horse is really well handicapped on a lot of his old form he's now down to a mark he hasn't been down to for a very long time down to 87 um and that means on his best form he's really well treated plus the five pounds as well from ella mccain coming into the bargain he actually finished fourth in this race back in 2019 um he's gone okay at the course uh before um he can go well fresh uh in fact actually he won uh he ran his uh best race last season um first time out when he finished second in a five furlong handicap at newmarket so i think he's well handicapped to, to go well not a bad draw in still nine nice low racing weight i think at an each way price as well he can maybe make the frame so they would be my two uh in, in this race Thank you, Chris. So whilst you were talking then, Chris, um, I think Paul Callahan might have had some money on because uh, when you started talking, Sun and Sunny was at 16 to 1 and is now shortened up to 14 to 1, whereas Copper Knight was at 6 to 1 and has now drifted out to 8 to 1. So maybe um, be keeping an eye on the market with those two. Yeah. And then whole selection, we've got Jabroki, who's currently best price available at 13 to 2. So the next race at Musselburgh is the 335 Betway Queens Cup. Chris, what have you got for us in this one? Yeah, I think I'm going to be boring here. I'm not really thinking outside the box too much. I think Nate the Great has got a very good chance of going very close, and he'll be my nap for the weekend. Uh, he's got a rating of 95, which... I, th which I think is definitely within his capabilities. He's been running okay on the all-weather this season. In fact, his his last uh, effort was a win at Wolverhampton, where he beat Who Dares Wins, who's been a great horse for Alan King over jumps, and also as well on the flat is a Royal Ascot winner. And Nate the Great actually finished fourth behind him in the Queen Alexandra Stakes. But I just think that there is a race of this nature in um, Nate the Great's locker. Um, I think uh, he's been set out for the race. And like I said, yeah, I think his mark of 95 is fairly workable. William Carver as well claims a £5. I think he's definitely going to be an apprentice you want to keep on side this season. Andrew Bolden's done very well with his apprentice jockeys over the years, you know, and uh, he, he's always uh, very good in that department. So I think, yeah, William Carver uh, on board, Draw in store for. I think this horse will take all the beating, and that's why it's going to be my nap for the weekend. So, Paul, who do you think will win the Queen's Cup? I don't think there's many you can seriously rule out of this one. And the one that I have cited, which gone come down with, is the Keith Douglas trained All Right Sunshine, the mount of Callum Rodriguez. Incredibly, All Right Sunshine, all his four victories have come on the on top, has come at Musselburgh. He's had four runs at Musselburgh, all four of them. He's visited the, he hasn't left Musselburgh without visiting the, the winner's enclosure. And I think this six-year-old son of Casamento hasn't clocked up a huge amount of mileage. This is only his 18th career start. He runs off handicap mark of 99. He's won off 97. He finished mid-div in a handicap at Ascot last June off a mark of 105. 
He's drawn his stall three, and I think it'll be interesting to see what tactics are employed here by, by Callum Rodriguez, because he was formerly a hold-up performer, but over, he's had a couple of runs over hurdles, and he sat handy kind of just behind the leaders. I noticed, I think, on his last couple of runs on the flat, he sat a little closer to the pace than in the past. So it'll be interesting to see what tactics are deployed here by Keith Dalglish and Callum Rodriguez, but tentative selection here is all right sunshine. Lovely stuff. So for the Betway Queen's Cup, we've got Chris siding with Nate the Great, currently priced at five to one, and Paul with All Right Sunshine at nine to one in most places. Now we are joined with Robbie Power to discuss Monday's Irish Grand National. Chris, what are your thoughts for the race? Yeah, I think this is quite a classy looking Irish National this year. Quite a lot of interesting types. Obviously, we don't know the full field still at the, at the time recording this but it's quite a lot of interesting contenders especially a lot of um, novices as well that have been improving uh, this season but the one that I quite like the chances of was Augusta Gold for Willie Mullins was previously trained by Mags Mullins but has uh, switched tables this season I wonder if they were going to have a crack at uh, this race last year because he actually finished second at Punchestown um in in the Irish uh, national trial and then obviously due to covid we didn't have uh, the Irish national last year but uh, to me she looks like she's been laid out for the race and obviously quite a lot of the others in here would have been laid out for the race but i thought her mark of 146 was definitely workable she's got um some good stamina uh, she's very versatile uh, ground wise um and yeah like i said it, it looks like a very Wide open race on paper, but yeah, there's quite a lot in here. I think you can give chances to. Um, I, I don't think I could back Tiger Roll at his prices. He's not run over regulation fences for quite a while. Obviously, he's been running in the Grand National and over the cross country. I'm not sure if he did turn up here, if he would maybe as a, be as an effective as he would be over the national fences. But obviously, you've got to respect his chances after his impressive win at Cheltenham a few weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting renewal. But for for my thoughts at the moment, I thought Augusta Gold would just get my uh, nod for the race. So Augusta Gold is currently at 12 to 1. But as as you're saying, the, the betting is it's pretty spread out at the moment. Robbie Power, how are you? I'm very good, Katie, and you? Yeah, really well, thank you. What are your thoughts ahead of the race? I know um, at time of recording, we haven't got declarations for jockeys yet, but what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking that for the Boyle Sports Irish Grand National, I'd be very hopeful that Tiger Roll stands his ground. If he does, it's going to make an intriguing race. The weights are going to stay the same. And I think if he stands his ground, um, latest exhibition, exhibition for me is... is very, very interesting, you know, off 10 13. Um, it takes a lot of the boxes that, like the horse that I won the race on, our Duke did. He is a dual runner up on a yeah, grade one level. He's just a very good grade one form behind another monkfish. Um, and he's probably the only horse in the field that potentially could be a grade one horse next season, like what our Duke was. And, um, if he runs up 10 stone 13, I think he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Uh, in opposition to him, I think Run Wild Fred off 10 stone, if Tiger Roll runs, is very interesting. He was second in the fastest. 
has loads of experience um, and a sneaky insight. I know that Jack Kennedy is going to ride him instead of riding Cocoa Beach, um, which is very interesting for me. And I think on the drier ground over three mile five, uh, run while Fred for me could be very, very interesting. Um, discordantly of 10 stone, if, if, um, if that's what he ends up carrying, unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to ride him a 10 stone. But he's a horse that things haven't worked out for this season. And with Boyle Sports playing pay the first seven places, I think um, he's a great each way back in the race at a big price. Perfect. So, Robbie Power thinking that latest exhibition will be able to do the job on the day at 6 to 1 and with a good each way shout for discordantly at 33 to 1 in places. Paul Callahan, what are your thoughts? I would like to get your thoughts, Robbie on a home by the Lee, a horse who finished third on him in the Drinmore, high end by Allen and assemble. I think he, he looks to go be going he looks better going right handed. His jumping seems to go to pot somewhat more left handed. But um how about what do you make of his chances? Funnily enough, I rode him in the in the Drinmore behind uh by Allen as you said. And when I was chatting to Joseph Bryan after the race, I said this is the horse for the Irish Grand National. Uh, I think stamina is his forte. He's some good hurdle form. He's got some very good chase form this season. And I know he disappointed when he ran in the Paddy Power at Christmas. Um, but as you said, that was going left-handed. But that was just maybe I felt coming a little bit too soon from experience-wise. He's a lot more experience under his belt now. That experience will stand to him. And he definitely has to have has an each-way chance. I know the vibes in the... Joseph O'Brien camp are split between Sempo and, and Home by the Lee. But for me, Home by the Lee would be the more interesting one. I think Sempo has too many questions to answer with his jumping. Um, so if I if I was JJ7 and I was given the choice of which one to ride, I think Home by the Lee would be definitely my choice. Yeah, I liked him that day. And I thought, as in the Drinmore, I thought you were still in. He jumped away at the Grand, um, but he was still in with a, whatever chance he had of putting it up to Envile and Turning for home, Do you know, um, I thought he ran a cracker, but even when he ran, when he won at Nace on his last start, he had a tendency to, to jump out to his right, and he does seem to be a lot better going right-handed. So home by the Lee, I think he would be an interesting, an interesting contender for me. He'd be the one that I'd be investing in there. Um, I suppose the big dog you'd have to give a mention as well. He won a Grand National Trial at Punchestown in the middle of February. I don't know what Philip Hobbs is doing with Jerry's back. He, he ran well, at, I think, at Ascot for a long way on his first run after a, a long layoff. But I don't know whether the bounce factor is quite disappointing on his, his next start. And then the Philip Dempsey train 10-10 might have a bit of a squeak. He was a little bit disappointing when he was second. He was a big favourite in the Leinster National at Nace back on the 14th of March. But he, he was the choice of Mark Walsh on that occasion. So he was obviously taught that he he was capable of winning the Leinster National. The nicer ground here at Ferry House might see, a, might see him play a part. But if I was investing, I'd be getting involved with home with the league, I think. I think going back to the big dog you mentioned, Paul, I think um, ground could be a key for him. I think he's definitely a better horse on softer grounds. And with the weather we've been having, I was in Ferry House yesterday, the ground is drying out. Um, There's a small bit of rain forecasting on Sunday, but I can't see the ground being any worse than yielding. Um, so I think ground could be a big issue for uh, the big dog. Yeah, Boyle Sports Irish Grand National was obviously a race that, and still is a race, that's held close to your heart. You were very fortunate enough to win the race back in 2017 on our Duke. 
what did that mean to you? That's exactly it. And yeah, look, it's it's a it's an iconic race, you know, the the Irish Grand National and uh, I've been lucky enough to win it on our Duke who was a novice, which takes a lot of boxes. A novice novice has a great record in the Irish Grand National and I just think with if Tiger Rose stands his ground and is declared to run on Sunday, I just think latest exhibition is going to take an awful lot of beating off 10 stone 13. And what about Ty- Tiger Rose? We mentioned him at the start. Tiger, Tiger Rose has been a, an unbelievable horse. Um, he's won two English Grand Nationals. He's won five races at the Cheltenham Festival. He's the horse of a lifetime, but his record over... Um, Park fences, traditional park fences, is poor. He hasn't won over them since he won the Munster National way back um, three or four years ago. And at this stage, off a, off a feather weight that day. Um, and it's just the variation for a horse like him, the Banks races, the Grand National, that variation that keeps his mind interested is what is all Tiger Roll's all about. And um, I just, uh, I can't see him taken to... Fairy has park fences with uh, 11 stone tenders back. Well, so he actually pulled up in 2017 and the, the national won by, by our Duke. He did, Jay, pulled up onto a circuit. I think so, that was the last time he actually yeah. ran over park fences. Yeah, it probably was. I just noticed that come through his form today that, that he pulled up. He, was, he didn't get for too far under it. I think Dunham Isla rode, rode him in on that run. That's right, Jay, he did. He is relatively short in the betting at seven to one, but I guess that is just Punter's mindset, isn't it? With his recent performance, it's it's easy to get carried away. That's people backing with the heart, not the head. Amen. Yeah, I think a lot of people will be household name, isn't he? Yeah. Do you think that they've made a mistake, Robbie, scratching him early from the English national, despite? connections were saying that he had a big a big weight uh, now that obviously he bounced back to form at Cheltenham yeah they probably did um, they got to be in their bonnet about the handicap and to be honest his form up to his run in Cheltenham had been very very poor so if they had just bit their tongue for a bit longer and waited until after Cheltenham I think he would be definitely going to the Grand National um, the English Grand National next week but, um, yeah, look, they had to be in the monitor with the handicap mark, and, and that was their decision. But at, at, at the time, his form had been so poor. I rolled him in November, and he gave me absolutely no feel. He was never travelling. He felt like a horse that had done his job. And it, it was an unbelievable training for performance from both Gordon Elliott and Denise Foster to get him back to Cheltenham um, to put performance he did. Definitely. It's nice to see a bit of new life breathed into him when he's he's 11 now isn't he it's not like a task like this is not easy for a horse with wear and tear like that no exactly and tiger always, always nothing to anybody so um whatever they decide to do with him that's their own business but um he's, he's done his job in life and whatever he does from now on is a bonus perfect so shall we have a little wrap up of this race um so robbie would be keen to side with latest exhibition at six to one with an each way shout for discordantly at 33 to one chris is siding with augusta gold at 12 to one and paul callahan's selection is home by the lee at 25 to one so robbie do you have any insight for us on other rides for the weekend that you may have 
Yeah, I've got a nice ride. Um, I've got a, a good book of rides, I think, on uh, Easter Monday. Um, I think Tia Poo will run in the grade two. Juvenile heard he's unbeaten um, this season. He's won two in Fairy House, uh, gone for three. I think he'll take plenty of beating in the, in the juvenile hurdle. And Rapid Response is a filly who had good form last summer. Been a little bit disappointed in her last couple of runs on, on heavy ground. She's a top-of-the-ground filly. She's going to try three miles, which is the trip she wants on good ground on Monday in the race after the, the Grand National, which is sort of the National Constellation three-mile handicap chase. And I think she's got a massive chance in that on, on good ground uh, rapid response. Lovely. So, so that is the 5.40, the Fred Kenny Lifetime Service to handicap, to racing handicap chase for that one. That's the Perfect. one, yeah. Lovely stuff. Guys, do you have any questions for Robbie before we let him crack on with his evening? Any thoughts on entry? Yeah, sorry, just getting this, this weekend out of the way with first. We'll get this weekend out of the way first. Obviously, Magical Light, I'm going to ride her in the, in the Grand National. Uh, looking forward to her. Um, she ran a nice race in Cheltenham over an inadequate trip. It, it did the job. We needed to get a run into her, and she, she ran well. She finished the race out well, which was what it was all about. Um, she was second to Tiger Road in the last Grand National, so um, she'll go back there with a, with a fighting chance, hopefully. What about Cloth Cap? He's, I know he's won his last two. He's short enough, though, for a national, isn't he? He is short enough, but I think he's entitled to be short enough because on his performance the last day in, um, in Kettles and Kelso, I think yeah. he's uh, he's potentially very well handicapped. Right, okay. Yeah, he was. It looks like he's going to get good ground. I think good ground is crucial to him. He looks to be a very extravagant, brave jumper, which is what you want. Um, personally, will I be back on horse at four to one in the Grand National? No, but I think he's the horse we all have to beat. I think potentially he could be well ahead of the handicap. Lovely stuff. To be inclined to agree's been one that I've had as a favourite for a while, hasn't he, Chris? Yeah, definitely got a minute Newbury, didn't you? I did at twenty-two to one. You're probably back in for the English Grand National the same day, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't complain when that if that comes she, in. Not she at all. doesn't tell anybody. That's the problem. Until about I, two months later. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I do the whole. Oh, I don't really ever have a bet, <laughs> and then I just have a few big ones. Big um, ones. Yeah, but we'll see if that pans out for me, won't we? Hopefully I love sales. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Perfect. So we'll wrap up there, guys. Um, thank you, um, Robbie, for your time and your insight ahead of the weekend's racing. Um, and thank you, Chris and Paul. To those that listen at home, thank you for continuing to support the podcast. It means a lot to us and the listening figures continue to grow each week. So thank you for getting involved. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on all the usual channels, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, so you don't miss any of the latest podcasts. Hope everyone has a great weekend, gamble responsibly, and be lucky.